Good people, welcome to another hard-hitting edition of Tackling a New Kingdom. I am your host, Tank Johnson. Today on the show, we've got one of my 2004 draft classmates. A third-round pick of the Arizona Cardinals, a 11, 12-year NFL veteran, depending on who you ask. He earned all-pro honors, three-time all-pro, and a fun fact holds the record for the most sacks in the Super Bowl. I could go on and on. Some call him Darnell. I call him Doc. Millions of women on the internet call him TTP, Thirst Trap Poppy. Introducing my dog, Darnell Dockett. Dockett, how you doing, dog? Man, I'm doing good, man. How you doing, man? How's everything going? Man, I'm just so glad that I got to catch up with you, man. Like with the combine season here, um, I just been reminiscing on our 2004 experience. So on this show, as always, we're going to tackle things in three buckets. We're going to talk about something current. We're going to talk about something real. And we're going to talk about something controversial. And on today, mm -hmm. talking about something real, I want to know, what you remember about your experience from the 2004 scouting combine in Indianapolis? What? Tell me, what do you remember about that experience? Man, uh, well, first of all, you, 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 I mean, I can say what I want to say, right? This ain't no filter system. Go I would out, be do me. Your thing. Be yourself. All right. First, first of all, I, um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you nervous as hell. You know, you you have anxiety, you're nervous because everyone is judging you based upon what you look like, what you run like, what you how you move and all this this this, this BS. Right. But it's kind of like you can never measure a man's heart by drills and what they look like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's kind of like um a shit show. In a sense, it's kind of like a shit show. It's yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, you know, this is what I look like. Oh, guess what? I got muscles. I could do two twenty five forty times. I have big legs and I have a six pack. But you, 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 you play the game like a Twinkie, so it don't make a difference. So you nervous and you already know you're gonna be prejudged. Um, you you don't want to make mistakes because. Every little thing you do, they magnify and want to make a big thing. You know, any little small thing you do because the the, the the critics of the people who think they know the game, it's like, oh, he moved wrong. Oh, he don't, he can't remember. Oh, he do this and he, he can't do, oh, he can't catch. Oh, oh he, he, he slow off the ball right here. He, and it's like everything they critique, they, they critique to try to find a lesser value within the person that you are. It's not like they come there and say, "Hey, man, I believe in you. I believe you could be a top five pick. Come on, man, let's 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 go. Give me your best energy." Oh, wait, 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 hold on. You made a mistake right there. You got it. They're not coming to encourage you. They're coming to look for flaws. I mean, let's be honest. They're looking for flaws so they can write a story about you. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So your your nervous is one, but um, people don't want to run because they 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 feel like, well, if I run and I run a so a slow time, I'm not gonna get drafted high. And I don't want to lift weights because if I lift and I don't lift the number, they're going to drop. Me, I did everything in the combine. I didn't hold back. I ran. I did everything. What you was going to see is what you was going to get. Rather, I, I ran a fast 40 or a medium 40. I did the 225. I went there, and the one thing about me through my entire career, even to this day, I went there to be Darnell Dockett. I didn't sugarcoat anything. I didn't duck no drills. I did what they asked me to do. Um, I bought whatever 
bad character that they prejudged me on. I bought that there. I bought the good. I bought the bad. I bought the run. I did everything. You know, I dropped it all there because one thing about me, whoever's drafting me, I want them to know what they was going to get. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And um, I just went there to be myself. I think that I think that the combine is a shit show. You know what I'm saying? I think some of the guys who run extremely fast and, and do all these wonderful things don't mean nothing with them. When, when them guys coming to put them hands on you in the first, second, third, fourth quarter, don't mean nothing. What you going to do? Where's your heart? You can't measure a man's heart, will, um, uh, where he's from, what he's built like, where he's standing on. You can't measure those things at the combine. So, you know, for me, man, is um, I, 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 I came into the game and I looked at it as like that. But I also look at it another spectrum of other people because it's like some of these guys who never – got their name put out there and they go to this combine and it's like, man, he ran fast. He looked good. Who is uh Tyrone? You know, who, who is Tyrone Smith? You get what I'm saying? Like, man, we, we didn't ever heard of him. And then all of a sudden they get an opportunity because they are physically featured fast and all that. And then you get an opportunity. So I can see the, the, the pros of it being that way, but I can see the cons of it being another way. So I mean, it's a part of the process. One thing we know about the combine tank, it ain't going to change. It's been here before us. It's, it's obviously been here after us, and it's going to yeah. stay to be here. So, yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I think I think it has its pros and cons, but overall, for me and my personal experience, I think it's a shit show. I don't think that it, it measures a man's um, ability to play football at its highest level. No, I mean, I just remember, you know, one of the most vivid memories is is uh, the dominant – defensive tackles that were in that draft. Um, Tommy Harris, Vince Wilfork, um, yourself, uh, me. Uh, there was a lot of guys who were rated high. And yeah, Isaac Sapoga. Isaac, he went before me, you know. Yeah, um, uh, the, the boy from Oregon. Igor Osansky. Igor Leo, yeah. I, oh, you know, I know. I remember everybody. I, I had a chip on my shoulder. <laughs> Bro, I so I just remember, like, to your point, like you said, we were being judged on everything. And I remember, like, there was a couple people who stood out to me who was on the same type of time I was on, to your point. Like, you know, kind of like, fuck it. This is who I am. I know I'm being judged. I'm At least I'm going to be judged on me. And mm-hmm. that was you, uh, me, uh, Vince Wilfork. I remember they had Vince Wilfork and they told him to stand on the stage with your hands like this. And Vince Wilfork, they told him to take his shirt off. And he didn't take his shirt off. He had a picture of his his uh, deceased parents on his necklace. And he just stood there. And And I can imagine looking out in that audience as you're being judged and all that. And he just had a look on his face like, this is a necessary evil, but I don't really rock with this. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Um, and, and so I remember, like, the guys who got put in the box, like, to your point of being judged on everything, I remember the guys who got put in the boxcars, you know, we automatically thought that they were going to be first-round picks and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just remember just being judged on every single thing possible. And... I just don't know, to your point of, like, look like Tarzan, play like Jane, do do you think that the combine will ever be tweaked as it's, like, current construct of just kind of that meat market? And how would you identify somebody's heart other than through the tape? You you can't. You can never judge a man's heart unless you really dig in when you're going to recruit and going to ask. You know, it don't just start with um, the college. You know, go ask in the high school coaches. Go ask youth league coaches. Um, fine, do your research. You know, the NFL is a billion-dollar billion industry. You go find out from the youth league coaches. You go ask, like I said, high school coaches. You go ask the college coaches. You watch all their films showing up. And one thing about a dog, a dog going to be a dog. A dog just don't be a dog on Sundays. He don't just be a dog on Saturdays. A dog is a dog in practice. He was a dog in high school. He was a dog when he was young. It's just who he is as a person. Yeah. Um, And a lot of times, those type of players do bring some type of stigma with them. You know, it's very rarely that you get a dog player without a story or some type of adversity or some type of 
trials and tribulations, something, because they are built different. Something has created them to make them. Now, I mean, you you get some players that are like that, but majority of the the silverbacks in the league, they got a story before, and you could judge them on that story. They just don't come straight out of shirt and tie and, yes, sir, no, ma'am, I've never been in trouble. I've never been suspended. I never did this. I never. Nothing. That, 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 that shit is fake. And if it is, they're doing a great job of hiding it. And, you know, this be 1,000. So um, I don't think that it, I don't think that it will ever change. I think that it's, it, it's going to be like that. But what I can say is this, though. Well, if you notice – a lot of these NFL teams, a lot of these recruiting staffs, a lot of these these organizations are getting players to join the recruiting thing, to recruit, to join um, uh, uh, um, scouting, because the coaches who never played football before, never. these assistant coaches who never played football before, they can't relate to certain players. So what they're doing now is saying, "Hey, uh." Darnell, um, I wonder can you help us get on the scouting? Why? Why you want me? Oh, because you got a knack for watching for for the dogs that we need. You know, so every yeah, so every team now was starting to go get XX players, so they know how to scout it. Because yeah. if you go in and everything, you say we want a we want a perfect collar guy who never got in trouble and never did anything and gonna do everything right. He's a hippie. Go, man, your team gonna be sorry as hell. You better go get you some kids and get some guys on your team with a little adversity because they they know how to figure it out when it's time to figure it out. No, that's that's real, and 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 I see a lot of players transitioning into that space. But one of the one of the sadder moments of the combine to me was guys finding out about medical uh, illnesses or injuries that their college didn't tell them about. Um, speaking to that, right, and, and like, there were some guys there who had never given blood before until the combine, right? No. So, so just imagine, you know, the emotions that is going on with that. And I, and I remember... I remember sitting next to a guy who uh, he had, he had some like irregular heartbeat and he was being sent off to uh, another hospital for examination. And can, can you talk about that? Like in your groups, like there was always those like moments that you was like, damn dog. I mean, (laughs) I really don't really don't know what to say about it. I really don't have an opinion about it. I just feel like the NFL man is 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 is, is kind of like they looking for protection. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, they don't want to put themselves in a situation where a lawsuit can come by. It's like they put a guy on the field, they found out he had sickle cell. Oh no, something happened to him, and then that family come back and sue them. So in the defense of the NFL, I can see like, look, let's just find out everything that's wrong with this this person before we draft, and so we know we get ourselves into because yeah, we know. We know at the end of the day, they're going to be protected by the NFLPA, the families, the lawyers. So I can understand that sense. Um, I'm just saying I that think- I was just my, – my point is that it's it's a part of the combine that no one really talks about, that small percentage of guys who finds out this or that happens. And, and, and it's just like I, – I just remember being real sad about that at the combine. Um, but – Switching kind of gears to like the actual on the field workouts. One of the things that I noticed, bro, is that nervous energy is contagious. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw so many guys in groups talking about they were nervous. They weren't ready. They were muscles were tight. Did you did you experience any of that being around people where their nervousness was transferring to you? No, I went to Florida State. What that mean? What that, <laughs> that mean? That, that that hey, you show up. It's dog time. Like practice, you get that out of your system as a freshman. You show up around talent. You competing around talent. It's four quarters. It's competitive. The game is harder than practice. So it was so for me when I transitioned to rather I was going to the combine, the NFL, no matter what. 
I had already reached the highest point of like the work capacity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I've seen it. Yeah. You know, I've, I've had I've had Mickey Andrews. I've had you know John Gladden. I had Chuck Amato, Bobby Bowden. I played. I went to two national championships. I knew coming in with a team full of All Americans. I remember feeling finishing top five in defense every year. You know what I'm saying? So when you when you walk into Florida State at that time, that era when I walked in there. I already knew, and and I I know you know how I know that feeling because that's the feeling I had when I walked in as a true freshman, mm-hmm. and I'm looking over to guys like Peter Ward, Chris Winky, you know what I'm saying, Lavernius Coles, and Travis Mine, Jamal Reynolds, Tim Pick, Corey Simon, Ninth Pick. I'm looking at these people, and the work ethic is ridiculous. So I didn't have no choice but to keep up or get out of there. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so, 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 so it's a part about what program you go into that could get that, 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 that gives you that nervous energy. Um, it, like for an example, it would be very surprised for me to see some kids like from Alabama that are going with that nervous energy. How? It'd be oh. very surprising to me for the see Cause I played, I mean, not play with, but Kirby smart was my defense was a assistant defensive back coach at my school. Mm-hmm. So I know how Kirby Smart is at Georgia. So it'll be really hard for me to say, oh, I bet the, them, them kids from Georgia, when they show up, ain't nothing nervous about them because they have already been through the fire. Now, if you come from one of them prima donna football programs yeah. who's been hiding behind certain things, I expect you to feel a little nervous. You know what I'm saying? If you ain't been been grinding like you're supposed been to tested. really put out. Yeah. But you got to think in those big schools, man, man you already been battle tested. You're like, dog, you nervous for what? You know, think think about when you show up as a as a rookie and you get ready to do the conditioning test. And they say, yeah, we got um, 15 110s. That's 1,500 to your – okay. But if you went to Florida State and they tell you, yeah, for every, for every touchdown that you give up, that's seven points. That means we're going to run 750-yard sprints for every point, and you give up 21 points to Wake Forest, and you, you're the number one defense in the country. So not only are we going to do 21 150s, we're going to do our other condition that we're supposed to do too, and we're going to run off the pissed-off fact that we just gave up 21 points, which is another five. And this is week in, week out. So when you show up at a condition test and they say, yeah, we got 15 one team, like, that's all. That's it. Oh man, come on, man. Let me let me drink a Gatorade, man. Let's get this over with. You know what I'm saying? No, that's 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 a great point you make because I played for the great Randy Hart at the University right. of Washington, and those bag drills that we did at the combine, I did them every day for right. three years. We had the hardest individual period, <laughs> and, 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 and it was it was exactly what we did at the combine, like. Right. I mean, in and out the bags over uh, serpentine. Bro, I was, remember we and, and so to your point, I, I I was just like, this is just repetition, and I and I saw so many guys like, oh shit, and and, and one of the funniest things in the world to me was, um, Nike and Reebok was giving everybody all them free shoes, and all them boys put on them brand new shoes for the first time. And had never ran in them and was falling in the bag drills. Right. I was like, what are y'all doing? But but anyway, the the interviews was a crazy part for me. And and can, do you was there ever like something that happened in those interviews that just sticks out to you? Cause because like I, I'll tell you mine. Uh I remember at the end of every meeting, they asked me, Hey, are you gonna run tomorrow? And I said, Yes. And I they said, What do you hope to run? Now, the whole winter, I hadn't run slower than a 4.72, right? So I was just like, I hope to run under a 4.8. I got laughed out of every room, Doc. And they was like, 4.8 at 3.06? Oh, well, we'll be there to see it. So that's kind of that was kind of like the thing that kind of was stuck in the back of my mind. Was there anything that happened in the interviews that you was just like, what the hell is y'all on, man? I'm sure I think the big, <laughs> I, 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 well, for me, um, you know, I, I, you know, my mom got shot and killed when I was 13 and my dad died four months later. And I grew up into that environment in Atlanta where it was kind of like a lot of street gangs and, and all that. 
I I more so got asked about my history and character during verse things. And then when I was at Florida State, they questioned my character because I had that quick, I'll snap on you attitude. So it was, it to me, it wasn't the football questions. It was more, so if we draft you, um, how do we know your character? How you know you, you're not going to, you know, do X, Y, Z? And I remember yeah, but, doing but that's the, that's the thing that sticks out to you. Right. That's yeah. And I and I remember um the Green Bay Packers coach at that time was his name was Sherman, something like that. I remember sitting down with him and we and him had this we were just conversation. He said, Man, how can I trust you? You know, give me a reason I trust you. I said, Well, I think trust is built on um loyalty and communication. I said, But what you can believe is that I'm gonna play my ass off. And it was kinda like he was questioning me about my my trouble passed mm-hmm. and I just figured like, oh, okay, so I get it. So basically I'm going to get, I'm going to get judged by the things I've been through. I'm not getting judged on me being a football player and me just coming to give my best. I'm being judged on shit that, that, that traumatized and came in my life that I didn't ask for. So I said, okay, so I can see how this shit going to go. And it started to irritate me mm-hmm. to the point where it was like, I know you're not going to draft me. I get it. You go judge me on my past. Um, you think that I'm this 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 guy. You think that I'm a product of the environment. That to me was stood out the most. Is like, damn, really getting judged on my past. And um, just the FYI to put out there for everybody. I've never been arrested in the league. I never got in trouble in the league. I've never failed a drug test in the league. I've I've been a, a captain of a football team seven years in a row. I went out on my own terms, and that's for and that, and that, and that's for that 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 is for every guy who passed me up and people that you can't judge someone based upon their past because I was a prototype of doing everything that I supposed to do. I never I never got in any trouble, right. but you wanted to you wanted to put that stigma on me. But then it's like you don't get an apology. And this is the thing about the NFL. You don't get an apology from being judged and really going out next season because, you know, they tell you, oh, that's what you're supposed to do. Right. But the moment but the moment that you go out there and you do something, they say, told I you. told you so. Told you. I told you so. And I think that's very unfortunate. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And um, I just remember talking, you know, those guys. And I never got a chance to talk to Denny Green. And Denny Green obviously the one that drafted me. But just just moving forward a little bit, little bit further, when I when I met with Denny Green, um, Denny had drafted me, and I remember him calling me, and I, I got drafted, you know, third round hours, and I was very disappointed. And the reason I'm saying this is because this is was what what, what to me what the NFL is all about um, with with the with the good coaches. I'm not gonna say everybody, but they will say with certain coaches, certain relationships, it's, it's solid. Then he drafted me, and I remember talking to him on the phone. He said, uh, "He said, Darnell, welcome to Arizona. He said, you ready? I said, yeah, coach, I'm ready. He said, I believe in you and everything that, that you've been through. It's your time. I'm not bringing you here to back up. I'm bringing you here to start. Say less. Say less. And, and, when, I, and when I went there, he didn't give me anything. But I knew walking in. I had an opportunity to start because that was the word that he gave me and I never let him down. And so for me, the biggest thing for me was for him to tell me that, but then say, look, you, if you want to be a backup, that's cool. That's on you, but I'm bringing you here to start. So that's on you. And so for my mindset, when I came in, my biggest thing was never let Danny green down because he, the one I felt felt that trigger to pull me, to drive me. I, I don't care what no one say. I don't care about what anyone credit someone ever get for my success. Carlos Dansby, Larry Fitzgerald, going down the list of that great draft class. One thing I'm going to say is Denny Green, I felt it, that was the one that said, we're going to give him that opportunity. And when I got that opportunity from that trust, that loyalty, that that commitment, man, which is very rare, Tanya, you know, in the NFL, that feeling. The moment he said, "You not you you've been in the league a yes. long time, so you know when the coach tell you some shit, you like yeah, all right, yeah, all right. but you know when that one coach tell you something, 
you can feel that he's going to stand on it. And when I felt that, when and then not only because I didn't meet him, I was talking to him on the phone. And then when I met him in person, he was like, I meant what I said. Yeah. Bro, every opportunity I got, I felt like I had to turn up because that man believed in me. And I felt like he drafted me when maybe some people in that building maybe questioned the what? The character. Character. But then when you go back and look at Danny Green background, Randy Moss, character, John Randall, character, Chris Carter, um, what's the what's the quarterback? Dante Culpepper. I mean, you can go down the list of Randy Moss, I mean of uh uh Danny Green draft picks. Danny Green, yeah. He Danny Green wasn't drafting. Yeah. Football player. Danny Green drafting adversity, Dog. dogs, and some more. And think about this. Were any of them players that ever got in trouble? Randy Moss never got in trouble. Randy Moss was just the guy that was adversity when it came to football. He 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 was just disrespectful when he could score touchdowns on Green Bay. But when you go look at the whole parameter of his players, none of his players not a, never got in trouble. Larry Fitzgerald never got in trouble. Carlos Davis never got in trouble. I never got in trouble. Tony Smith. You go down the list, but but he was really good at that man. And, and to this day, man, may he rest in peace. I I I I. Anytime I speak about football, and even on this. Right now with you, I'm going to always bring Denny Green for giving me the opportunity and standing on what he said, and that means the world to me. Yeah, no, anytime you know the person who stood on the table for you, you will run through a wall for them. So, man, that is tackling something current, great uh, combine memories. And so we're going to transition into tackling something real. Um, On the heels of the combine, um, I remember you not having the best day at the office. I remember you being done with your drills. You were walking out of the stadium and you had an indifferent look on your face. It was a look of, damn, it's over and it's out of my hands. And I just remember you walk. I, I, I remember you had a look of relief and indifference. But the point that I want to make is you went on to have a Hall of Fame career and that moment did not define you. If you could talk to a guy who's at the combine right now and he maybe didn't have his best day, first, how would you approach that guy and what would you tell him about your story? What would how would you approach it? Um, the first thing I would approach anyone and myself is being accountable for your preparation. Um did you do everything you're supposed to do? Don't blame nobody else. Did you handle your business like you're supposed to? Did you, you know, did you hydrate? Did you get the proper rest? Did you get off the phone when you needed to? Did you eat the proper meals? Did you, did you tell that girl yesterday that, you know, now nah, I'm busy, I got something to do? Did you, did you prepare yourself? Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. You know, knowing in the NFL is that it's not for long. So you only got a short amount of time through a career to prepare yourself. If you got eight years, give it give it eight solid years. Um, I would tell a guy that. I would tell a guy, man, um, be, be prepared. Understand that, that it's a blessing. You know, understand that it can't be taken away. Understand that um, tough times don't last, what tough people do. Every day when you show up, you got to keep in mind, those people across from you, the atmosphere, everybody, they get paid too. These some of these people that you are playing against got kids to feed. They got a house to take care of. They taking care of village. So they not letting you come in and take food off their table. When you understand the magnitude of the people that you're dealing with day in and day out, you will prepare yourself better to understand what you need to do day in and day out. But if you're just showing up to the office, you're just showing up because you're just happy to be here, you it won't last long. You'll be out, you'll be out of there before you know it. You have yeah. to show up every day with a purpose. You have to be thankful every day. Every day you walk up that field, you got to say, damn, man, thank you. Because there's somebody every day in practice through training camp through a season has got, they got hurt. They got hurt, a season in the injury. So when you walk off, it's a blessing. And when you get those opportunities to prepare yourself and rehab and, and, and get your body right for the next day. So as you walk off this field and defeat, and you feel you gave everything you got, and it wasn't a good day, and it wasn't a bad day, guess what? Your job is not making two days in a row. Everybody's going to have a bad day. 
You can't make it two days and you can't make it three days. You can't make bad days contagious. But the thing with a lot of people is in life is they don't want to be held accountable for the things that they do wrong. And the first person you got to held accountable is yourself. You got to look yourself in the mirror. What did I do wrong? Like I'm not blaming the scheme. I'm not blaming my teammate. I'm not blaming no coach. What did Darnell Dockett do wrong to have this shitty day? And when you honest with yourself and you make those fine adjustments, you're going to be self-conscious the next day not to make those same mistakes. So that next day has no choice but to be better. But a lot of times people had those bad days because first they want to do, well, he didn't throw me the ball. Well, why you ain't run to the ball? But, uh, but, but uh, my, my cleats hurt. My ankle hurt. I'm tired. I ain't eat breakfast last night. Man, my bed was hurt. My pillow didn't write, man. I ain't drinking no water. Man, man, my, my arm ain't my shoulder pads. But you knew all this the day before. Stop making excuses. Be accountable for yours. And when you understand that concept, bro, you gonna go out every day and just let it go. It's, 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 and one thing, too, man, is that if I was telling someone that the number one thing that I will always question and I learned from the best people who ever played the game is, when you walk on the field and you maybe won your day and everything wasn't presented to you, how was your attitude and your effort? Because one thing about it, you can make 50 mistakes, but if your effort has been tremendous, yeah, I can coach your mistakes. But if your effort is up here, bro, we're gonna we you gonna you're gonna be a football player. I can work with that. Yeah, yeah. Are you, hey, I don't give, yeah. I don't give a damn what sport you play, I can give you that. And when you giving high effort. Good things, you know, good things tend to happen. And me and you done seen this. We done seen cats cover the league and be like, is he really that good? But the first thing you say is, bro, his effort is ridiculous. Yeah. When I look at a dude like Joey Bosa and uh, what's the other Bosa uh, brother? Um, uh, it's Joey and one in San Fran and one oh, in San Diego. Yeah. I don't give a damn about their the talent, their technique, the, the moves. The statue, the built one thing you can count on with the both of them, they going 115 miles per hour. All day. All day. So guess what? Take you know the game. When you go 115 miles per hour, you bound to make something happen. You're gonna run into somebody. <laughs> <laughs> somebody you're gonna run into. Yeah. So when you and again, that that's the one thing I would tell my younger self. I would tell a younger tank. I would tell someone walking off their field. Give a hundred and ten percent, even if you make the say you gonna make yeah. something happen. No, that's that's so funny that that you say that. And like you know, I, the one thing that I used to love about watching your film is because I'm a dog lover, like a real dogs, right? Mm. And whenever I used to go pick my dogs out of like a kennel, I wanted the dirtiest dog in the kennel. And after every game your uniform was the dirtiest. You was the dirtiest dog in the kennel. Um, talk about how much you prided yourself on just always being that, having that effort. I mean, because if you think about a dog, like, would you have three and a half sacks in a, in a Super Bowl? Yeah. Man, like, they had two weeks to stop you and you still hold the all-time record for Saxon. What what was it about being the dirtiest dog in the kennel that that just Dockett just loved it? Tank, I, it wasn't supposed to be my life. You know what I'm saying? Football wasn't handing me. Football was never my dream. But like a lot of times, football was some of these these kids' dreams growing up. Football was not my dream. Football was my way out. When I went to high school and started playing football, Tank, I didn't, I quit football. I didn't want to play football. The reason I played football is because one of the linemen on the team was a big bully. And when I wanted to fight him, I couldn't fight him. And one of the coaches said, you know, if he plays football, then if you go play football, you get to fight him every day. Sign me up. Say less. That that, that was my opportunity to let go so much hurt and frustration of things that transpired in my life growing up. And I just had this attitude that was so contagious of just, I'm about to be reckless for four quarters. I can unleash all this, this pain and 
and his anger. And I, and I'm not going to lie, you know what I'm saying? I admit it now, or like later on, it, you know, towards the end of my career, when I got out, a lot of times I played football to hurt people. I wasn't playing football for like to make plays and do all this. I mean, if you know, if you know me, you ask some of my closest teammates, like my real, real teammates who've been with me for years, Carlos Dasby, Adrian Wilson, Larry, you go ask those ones who've been in those trenches, they'll say like, no, Doc is going to play to hurt you. Like, he's not in it to, he don't really give a damn about wins or loss. Like, bro, you just, you got to be careful with him. You out there, he, he out there to punish people. Yeah, and so yeah. for me, for me, it was really my way it. out. Yeah, for me, it was my way out. And I just gave effort. I just wanted to be, and then when you start to get the love of the game, you just you you just wanted to be so passionate about it. And I think the biggest thing with me, man, is I knew it wasn't gonna last for long. I was so ten steps ahead of the game mentally, man, that I knew at some point the NFL was gonna give you that. Okay, your time is up. Doc, it's doc, time to retire. You and I had a similar upbringing where we we early in our lives we saw real life. All right, right. I would just say that. And I always say that greatness a lot a lot of times is um is people running from something. Right. right? Like I you know for me I was running from being big for nothing, right? I seen so many dudes in in my neighborhood you know, they big for nothing, never went and played nothing. I I didn't want that. So I was running right. from that. You know, my my biological mother chose drugs over me. So I was running from that, like that hurt of like right. my, my own mom. And I look at so many other athletes um, in the NFL, you know, T.O. and all that. It, it's even for the squeaky clean guys, greatness is usually a journey running away from some type of feeling right. of ina an inadequacy. And I just want to say that watching you on the film was probably one of the most rewarding things in my career. And Docket, you were probably, man, I can't wait until you go in the first ballot in the Hall of Fame, brother, because if anybody deserves a dog, it, it, it's, a, it's a dog like you. And I just wanted to give you your flowers. Um, but that is kind of conversation about the combine. And now because of like, you know, you've got such a dope position in our society, man. Like, you know, you've been put on a pedestal as the King Joker, the, you know, you're just this society holds you in a high standard. And right now in tackling something controversial, brother John Morant has been in the news. And for all the wrong reasons, he allegedly punched a local 17-year-old in the face, uh, maybe allegedly brandished a handgun, and his friend uh, may have done something uh, at the arena to get himself banned for life. You and I both know having homies from back in the day and bringing them with you. What, what, would, you, what would be your advice to a dude like John Morant who's had, like, in about four months, he had too many close calls. Oh, man. Um, Keep it a buck. <laughs> those people around you really not your friends. Because, first of all, your real friends are not about to let you put yourself in a bad situation knowing that you're the one who who's changing the game for their environment and everybody else's environment around them. But it goes back to what I was speaking on earlier. Look in the mirror and hold yourself accountable. Like, you can't blame nobody at the basketball court. Don't blame your friend. Don't bring in your blicky. Don't blame in where you're from. Bro, why, why are you in that situation? You don't see LeBron James in that situation. You don't see Kobe when he was here in those situations. Rest in peace. You don't see Tim Duncan and, and these great players, J J uh, with Joppa uh, Tupu from Milwaukee. You don't see these guys getting in trouble being in these situations you know what i'm saying um my advice to him man would be get the hell away from people man get you get you a life coach learn how to step away from people because don't get it twisted just because you are who you are bullets don't got a name so you can go out here and pull this gun out of somebody or walk around with it don't make you tough because 
God forbid something happened to you and you're gone. And everybody said, man, John Morant was such a good talent. And the unfortunate thing about that, two years from now, nobody would be talking about John Morant. It'll be somebody else. Nobody remember you. And that's and that's the unfortunate part. And then um to a little tap in a little deeper, I mean, you got a daughter. Let's 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 be let's, let's, let's think about it. When you got a daughter, man, you got you got kids out here, you gotta make sure that you lead by an example. Don't put yourself in dumb situations. These, these, where's your dad at? Where's these where's these people at that can really mentor you or help you? Like you don't have to try to hang around certain people and be cool and be around the rappers and all that, man. Like adjust your well bringing. Like, why not be the best Kobe? Why not be the be- next LeBron? LeBron about to get ready to hand that torch down to somebody. Kobe handed it down to LeBron. Why not? Bro, you got just as much talent as all of them. Why not? But yeah. again, it goes back to what we was talking about earlier. It don't last for long. No. You're one injury away from it being all gone. I mean, gone. We, we, all, we saw, all, that, all that explosiveness can be gone. Yeah, just like that. And then if you don't use God-given talent and stay away from certain things, just by nature, my force is going to be taken away from you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, I often use this example. We kind of go back a little bit on my career. Think I can go back to Arizona in 10 years span. 10 years. I've been out three times in Arizona in 10 years after the hours of 8 o'clock. Can't nobody ever tell you I was in a strip club? Can't nobody ever tell you I was in a club? Go go check your facts. I was out three times. You know why? In Arizona, you know, Arizona's slow. slow. I just didn't want to catch myself out there in no environment because I had the reputation. They already think that I'm going to do something wrong. Right. You know what I'm saying? They don't want to pay you. I mean, let's be 1,000. You know, at this time it was Arizona. They don't want to pay you. Man, I'm not giving these people no opportunity to take no money off this table, Brad. I don't work hard and came here to get this. So my whole thing is when you look at John Rent, you got a shoe deal. You can get a maxed out contract. And to answer your question, adjust your friends. Adjust yourself. Be accountable. Yes. Start holding yourself at a high standard. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You go out here, and the thing is, you go out here, you go out here and smack the, an 11 year old. My son, 13, John Morant, smack my son. <laughs> you you get what I'm saying? You right. you see what I'm saying? You gonna smack like, the wrong like, one? Yeah, it, that's all I'm saying. Like, bro, like, come on, think about it. And 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 that's no disrespect because that's the same no. thing like this. The same thing. Let's talk about it like this. These dudes, this this generation is so crazy. What happened if somebody goes smack John Moran's daughter? Yeah, that's all that I'm saying. Is like, bros, just keep yourself out of situations and remove yourself. Like, understand that you you are a target. You got to move yourself completely different. Don't go putting your hands on a levio. That's a lawsuit. And then you smack the wrong person saying, you're right. You might have to go get your gun. And then you well, might have to really use it. Well, so when he, he was playing uh, some type of pickup, the, the the dude that he got into it with was 17. The other kid that was there was 11. Pause oh, right oh. there. Now, hold on. I don't want to cut you up. Nope. Go ahead. Why are you even playing with a random 17 year old when you an all star? Okay. I don't even care. I'm going to tell you why. So, so this 17 year old kid is like a phenom high school, like, like, uh, like Austin Rivers was when his dad was the coach for the Celtics. I don't care. Rivers was playing with, he got into it in high school with, with KG playing at the arena. So I'm just saying that's how it happened. Okay. But my whole thing is, even with that, why are you why are you having uh, yeah a, 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 like some type of transition of bumping heads with a person when you like, know that people gonna come at your head because they want to make a name out of you? So you got to understand that keep a level head. You choose to go in that environment. So then you got a younger kid like, oh, this is my opportunity. So they gonna do everything they can to get at you. Think yeah, about this, just, Tank. Let's let's go like, back and you 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 in college you in college right. And you got an opportunity to go against a, a Walter Jones in the league. Now, you, he already supposed to dog you. Oh, off top. Oh, off top. So if he dog you, then he just did what he's supposed to do. At the end of the day, he's older, he's bigger, he's stronger, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's a, it's a, you, it's, it's a lose-lose situation. 
Exactly. So you go in there, and you go, you find yourself like, oh, yeah, I'm about to do something real crazy. So we do something real crazy so then he get bad. But you done made him look bad. But at the end of the day, you trying to get that, you trying to get that name out there. You know what I'm saying? You got to understand that situation. When you felt the need that it was getting a little bit out of hand, uh, all right, bro, I'm going to give you the ball, man. Look, man, I'm going to go ahead and walk away from the test. Don't fall I know where for it's it. Yeah, come on, bro. You got to understand. You know how many people in neighborhoods or local areas have called out Kobe, uh, LeBron, and everybody? How many times they done played in these Rucker Leagues and all this other stuff? You just got to be able to control yourself, man. But even, even with everything going on, Supposedly, allegedly going to get a gun, that's that's a no-no. For two, don't put your hands on somebody, no-no. And for three, bro, get you some real solid friends that's going to protect you from the when people, when your real friends see certain things transpiring, they're going to get up out of their chair and say, nah, hey, come on, John, let's go, man. We're like, we need to get out of here. You ain't got to be no punk, but in the end of the day, we got bigger fish to fry. That's, that's it. That's and your real friends going to say, man, you know what? You're right. When I go back and look at that kid from Oakland, who wrecked the car and, and killed somebody? Uh, what's his name? Uh, the receiver. Yeah, the receiver. Henry Henry Ruggs. Right? Okay. Uh, the first thing I say is, where was his friends? Where was those people that you was drinking with? Tank, I'd have been to clubs in DC. I never drove. I, I that, when I was playing, bro, I had a Bentley's Rolls Royce. I had a, all that shit. I never drove it. When I come from a club or outing or a dinner, I never drove. Where's your friends? So you don't have good friends. Man, good friends, man. If I'm your friend and I'm not playing tank and I see you maybe had a couple drinks, tank, you're not driving. Yeah. Man, let me drive, man. Give me my keys. Man, I'm going to take your keys and take off running. Well, fight me later, but you ain't getting in the car. But you know, but then, now, now, you remember that first time when you was in 2004? I don't know when you bought your first car. Now you was like, I somebody's like, let me drive. You're like, no, I got it. Cause cause you you were so used to that. I, I, and I'm not saying you, I'm just saying like the mind of a 21-year-old is not all the way developed. And and he had like that new Corvette. And I and I can just see him, you know, when when he built the Corvette with the rims and all that, he built it to drive it. And so you don't have good his, friends. It, but that that's where a friend needed to step up. But this is what I'll say. My career was marred by the type of thing that Ja Morant is being introduced to where I tried to save all of my homies that I grew up with, bring them along with me. And it, and it was my it was my fault that I let some of them reflect badly on me. It was ultimately my fault. So um yeah, man, I, I I appreciate. Well, here's the question: Do you have any guilt associated with leaving folks behind? Hell no, <laughs> not even a little bit. No, I leave my grandma now, behind at, at twenty at twenty three. Did you? Never, never, bro. I I can show you family members I cut off when I got drafted when I was in college. Close family members that I just wasn't dealing with. I ain't got no best friends. Who were my best friends I left behind? One wasn't doing nothing. One was a gang member. I mean, I got family members as gang members now. When I go to the city of Atlanta, I don't even go see. I FaceTime. And I'm okay. Yeah, and I don't need to go over there. Hey, dog, why are you coming up? For what? I don't need to go over there. I'm good. Man, you know how I many you got to come hang out in the hood, man? That's where you're from. You're right. That's where I was from. I don't need to go back. I like staying in the Ritz Carlton five five star hotel and let yeah. these people come rub my feet and eat the croissant with the orange juice. I don't want to go there and have to look on my shoulder every five minutes. And when you come to that thing of leaving people behind, you're not just leaving people behind. You leave an opportunity from behind that can that can hurt you and harm you too. That's the thing. Like you got to walk away from people and opportunities, man, and situations that. That could that can harm you. Every yeah. like I, I truly believe you can walk up a, a positive life and just avoid a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Naturally, things are gonna be behind you in the front of your rain that can just kind of drill you in and make you get into trouble. But if you know that there's a chance something can happen to the right, why would you go over there? Is it don't make no sense? Now I'm good, I'm gonna go to the left. I'm, I'm gonna go to the left. If I know if I go to the right to make this U-turn, and I know they be having shootouts over there, but if I go to this left. I know that the chances are slim. Why not go to the left? I'm okay. 
when you secure who you are, you know who you are, you know your value, and you know you got kids and you want to live life. A lot of these people don't want to live life, Tank. Nah. I just I just hit 40, man. I love it here. Okay. I love it. <laughs> my my son just told me today, mate. Um he said, come on, old man, you got to push it. I said, thank you. Call me old. I I, I love it here. Yes. I want to see 50. I want to see 60. I want to see 70. I'm working out right now, bro. I'm in the gym. I'm benching 400 pounds. I'm doing 20 miles on the peloton. I love it here. I don't want to put my life in no harm, danger, man, and just and, and blow opportunities. And everybody said, man, man, Doc, it was a good football player. Yeah, Doc, it was a good dude. Man, he was a dog football player. Now nah, let me tell my own story at sixty. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Let me well, tell my let me let me give me my flowers while I'm while I'm here. You know what I'm saying. So, the, needless to say, man, is that everybody got to take accountability, value of their life, man, and try to make the best decisions. I know sometimes things are just so unfortunate, but as a lot of times, man, we put ourselves in situations that we know that may not be good for us for the moment, and we think that it can't happen to us when it can't happen to us. Um, and if I was speaking to, to guys in the NFL, if anybody in the NFL on life was, was, you know, watching this right now, but just try to avoid yourself from 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 people, um, personality disorder, narcissists, and and manipulating people and and bad energies, man. And try to meditate and just ease your way from a lot of people, man. So you can leave people behind, and and, and it's okay to leave people behind. It's okay to take your own space because when you go on from here, man, you're the only one laying in the casket, bro. Try to treat people good and just and just move forward. Like I don't want to deal with you. I'm okay. I wake up every day, Tank, and I cut my phone off. I meditate, little things about me personal, man. And I, and I think it's very important. I share this with people in the NFL because I mm. I talk to people all the time. It's like I make time for myself. I've given the, I've given the game of football all my life since I was 13 years old. I make time for myself. I get up in the morning. I don't cut my phone off. I mean, you notice me. You've been having a long thing about the Instagram. I haven't been on Instagram in a long time, bro. I'm not going to wrap my mind around Instagram, checking DMs off. Ain't nothing on Instagram, but you find yourself an hour swiping, hour swiping. Bro, I got... I got the things I want to do in life. I have a list of things every morning that I wake up to do. I wake up, I juice. I wake up, I do workouts. I check investments deals. I check on houses. I check on properties. I check on all these things, my kids, et cetera, certain things to grow. And then once it hit about 11, 12 o'clock, okay, let me tap in with my friends and everything else. But not before 12 o'clock when I make my time. That's my time. I owe it to myself. Think about how long you played football. When you got up from 6 in the morning, and you went to bed at nine at night. How much time have you gave football and your teammates? Numerous of years that you can't get back. I could never. You, you, that. So you need to start making time for yourself. And I tell it to all my NFL guys, and that's why a lot of these guys, when they don't make time for themselves and healing and transitioning and, and learning their brain and putting the right foods in their body, and then they go out and they do something crazy. And the first thing we do as football players, they catch us, oh, my God, he got CTE. Oh, another football player, he got CTE. Right. You ain't taking no time for yourself. No, I, I, I do believe in being deliberate about your piece. Um, yes, you know, one of the it's things, important. I, 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 you know, I've got a room in my house that I literally painted the walls black. <clears throat> I've got, I've got um, just some things that give me good energy. And, yes. And I spend some time in there. So... Uh, but to wrap up, controversial bottom line for John Morant is uh, your friends can and will cost you your reputation that no dunk or jump shot can correct. Uh, rapid fire. We're going to get you out of here on this. Uh, who is the best college offensive lineman you played? Best college offensive lineman I've I played. Oh, man. Shit. Mm -hmm. Somebody that you was like, I, you know what? I, I'm 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 gonna have to at least wear a mouthpiece for a couple quarters. Bernie Carey, University Miami. of Miami. Miami, dog. Bernie okay. Carey, yeah. Best pro O lineman you faced. Ooh, shit. <laughs> Knew that was coming. <laughs> man. I, the bro, I'd have played against some silverbacks. I, I I would say Mike Wall for me. He was a, he was a, he had long arms, and I have short arms, and he used to give me problems. 
<laughs> Larry Allen. Oh, L.A. Bro, bro, I can, but I can go down the list with a rapid fire. I mean, it, it, I know you said one, but I can. It's so fast. It's Larry who's, Allen. Who's Steve, the? Who's Larry, the hold, hold on, hold on. Larry Allen, Steve Hutchinson, Will uh, Will Shields. Shields. Uh, I, I mean, the, the the center from 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 uh, the New hey, York Jets. Did you ever play against Charles Bentley? Oh my goodness! <laughs> no, no, when he was in New Orleans, New Orleans, not at Cleveland, not at Cleveland. Yeah, at Cleveland. Uh, young Davin Joseph, uh, Javari Evans at the Saints. I'm talking about a younger generation that was coming up in the game. Walter Jones, bro, I can go down the list. Yo, uh, Alan Fanica. What was the uh, the the tackle for the uh, uh, Ravens? Big. Uh, I'm, it, oh, Jonathan Ogden. He's had the hardest head. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Who's the dirtiest player? Nobody knows about. Damn, I know the dirtiest player that everybody knew about, but the <laughs> one nobody no no didn't know about. Could it be you? Oh, oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Runyon from the Eagles. Yep. Hey, he was hag ass fool. He was dirty. He was he was so dirty and wouldn't say nothing. Like he and wouldn't even talk. Would you believe that now he's in charge of the fines for the NFL? <laughs> hey, me and Tyler, true story about Runyon. Uh, he works at the league office. I worked with him at the league office for a couple for a couple years. Uh, during the game, me and Tommy were running a stunt on him. I said, Tommy, he had hairy arms, right? I said, yep, Tommy, yep. I'm going to grab his hair on his arms and I'm going to yank that shit. And then you just go around him. And we did. And he was like, ah, that's dirty. And uh, yeah, me and yeah, Runyon, I, I told him at the league office, I was like, yeah, you was playing so dirty, we had to pull your arm here. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah, it's okay, crazy. Okay, so last two on this. Uh, what's Or just last one. What's next for you, Docket? Life. That's what's next for me. Life. Full, full, of, full of life, man. Full of sun. Full of happiness. Full of uh, helping kids, man. Full of opportunities. I don't live my life in a bubble and say what's one thing, what's next, man, life. And when I say life, I speak in abundance of happiness and, and joyful and, and leading people on and, and just helping people, man, encouraging people and, and and giving people opportunity and being that person, man, that checks on everybody and, and making sure everybody's okay, um, giving love, man, and just and catching people in their darkest moments and being able to show them like, yo, it's going to be all right. You know, grab my hand. I got you. Come on. Let me, let me show you a way. Let me get you up out of here. And, and just being that person. I think that be happy, man. There's no one thing. I don't, I don't, I don't wake up every day. I don't chase money. I don't chase opportunities. I don't chase goals. I'm not trying to be the next head coach. I'm not trying to be the coach over here. I mean, I've, I've turned down opportunities because I feel like certain opportunities are limited to me to do just that. Um, I don't want to be a coach. And the only thing I'm doing is coaching kids. I want to be able to coach kids, help people on the street, help the homeless, help help shelters, help people that's on drugs, helping people that can't get do this and can't do Like, bro, I, 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 I speak life. So for me, man, it's just being walking around and, man, and just, and just giving life to people, man. Whatever my calling is, Pray on and I keep it moving and whatever that is. I, uh, so at this point, man, I don't really have a guidance to say, oh, it's going to be this right here. This is my next calling. My next calling is to, well, as I finish working out, going downstairs, and what's crazy is calling three kids that um, I'm making sure they're grades because they're highly recruited. I'm calling them to check on their grades to make sure that they are getting their grades ready and they're getting their SATs because um, three of them going to make commitments in June. So I'm calling to check on their schoolwork. Not, I don't give a shit about your accolades. Did you do your schoolwork? Do you need help? Do you need a tutor? Because this is important. Once I know you got that, I move on. And then after that, it'd be going to help my daughter with her dance thing. So it's like helping everybody around me. Nice, man. Well, listen, uh, you know, personally, you've been my favorite uh defensive tackle to cover i'm grateful man, that you appreciate had, it man you had time for tackling a new kingdom you came you saw and you tackled a new kingdom darnell docket thank you for being a guest on my show appreciate you man anytime man sorry they took so long man but we finally got it together man thank you a great dude man keep leading um man prayers team if you need me for anything man you know here you got my number now so 
you know, me and you always been solid and um wish you the family, everybody well, man. Take care. We definitely catch up out of this.